I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And on this episode, we are discussing Ravenwood, book one of the Tanith Fairpoint Adventures by Nathan Lowell. Um, and please excuse those of us <clears throat> who have a little gargle in our throats. Of course, it's the season for that type of stuff. Um, but in the meantime, Ravenwood here is... Oh, man, um, a story about a, a uh, I don't want to call her el- elderly, but an o- older woman. It's it, it's refreshing not to be a young adult novel, um, but it's an adult woman uh, on her path to learn um, all she can from all the medicinal uh, medicine women out there, and she's traveling from one place to another, and along the way, she gets stopped at a... Uh, at a crossroad town, and uh, problems ensue. Yep, pretty much. Yeah, I I know you're really just missing another Sarah J. Moss novel. I mean, that's mm. it. You just book book nine when it comes out. We're going to read it, and it's going to be like <laughs> quadruple X. It'll be great. Oh my gosh, I got accosted for not reading more of her books recently. So I just want to say. Uh, that, that, that part of my life may not be over. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm really sorry about that. Oh. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. But I agree. I agree what you said. It is refreshing. One of the things I loved about this book is it was refreshing to have a, a character that was in her late 50s. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So I guess we're going into overall impressions and thoughts, right? Yeah. 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 Sure. So who wants to start us off? Well, I guess, I, well, before we go on, I should say that this is Nathan Lowell's fantasy series, but he's typically a sci-fi writer. Is that correct, Jim? That's what it looks like. Yes, my, that is correct. He has uh, half a dozen or more, well, more than half a dozen. He's got uh, 16 or so sci-fi novels here. So, Yep. Yeah, yeah. there's a bunch. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, anyway, yeah. all right. Sorry, go ahead. No. So I didn't know who was going to start us out talking about overall impressions and thoughts. Who wants to take it away? Well, this was Jim's recommendation. I'd love to hear what he says. All right, let's go. Okay. All right. So as with everything that I've read from Nathan Lowell, it is a character-driven story, and it appeals to me um, because they could be the characters could be just ordinary people, you know. Uh, the world building in this story is very limited. Uh, we, we pretty much spend all our time in one village or, or the area around one village. Uh, but he does, he, his descriptions do make it someplace I wouldn't mind living. Um, the story is paced slowly. And I think that's to give an opportunity to get to know and care about char- the characters. Uh, it's a relaxing read with an occasional problem added to make the story interesting. 
Yeah. Very good. Very good. But, but, uh, so your opinion, um, you, what I'm getting from that is you really enjoy, you, you enjoyed this slower pace of story. Yes. Yeah, so. It's nice to step back once in a while and just read a story, right. you know, um, and not have to be all intense and lots of shooting and killing and bleeding and screaming and right. that kind of thing. Where's the Wilhelm yeah. scream when you need it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, David, how about you? Uh, what were your thoughts about Ravenwood? Well, I read Ravenwood, uh, colon, 10 plus hours of my life that I won't get back by Nathan Lowell. Uh, and, oh, geez. I mean, this whole story should have been the first, uh, like, act or third of another story. And it's very clear he had, like, he has, like, an adventure to go on. But he, I don't know if it was him or his his you know producing team or what or you know they were like no see what you can do make this make this a trilogy and he's like well i only have one maybe two books worth of stuff here yeah just pad it out and then he proceeded to pad it out now i'll note that his writing is really good but he doesn't say anything it's like it's like he has the talent of a, of a really good writer but no creativity it's what it felt like. All right, I'm using no creativity because I mean, obviously, he did create this Ooh, whole thing. Wow! But but I mean, like, Ouch. he doesn't know where to go with these characters. He's got nothing exciting or worthwhile to say. It's it's so incredibly boring. It, it just like I think I looked at I, I looked at it. And I was like, oh, okay, I got I got I got four hours to go. All right, I looked down like three hours later, and I was like, I still have three and a half hours to go. What? What in the world is going on? It, it, the, the story, I, I don't want to say that it moves at a slow pace because it doesn't move. Uh, 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 are, like, as he, well, so much for inviting Nathan Lowell. Uh, right, right, right. <laughs> See he if is, he ever joins us. He is a really good writer. He does write, like, he writes really well. It's just that I don't need to know about every single thing someone does in the morning before they leave. Like, the story is about Tanith uh, Fairpoint and 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 like what's going on with with her and everything. But instead of progressing the story further, he's talking about how she gets up in the morning and then she doesn't want to get out of bed, but she can sense that she's got to pee. Oh man, she really wishes that Frank was there. Does she wish he was there so that he could keep her warm or so he could make the fire warm? I don't know. What about tea? I bet the tea's going to be ready. And the oatmeal that she laid out yesterday. Now, the oatmeal had three parts uh, chicken root and four parts uh, peppercorn and then f five parts oats. And she put it on the on the kettle right before she went to bed so it would steep real nice and slow. And boy, did those aromas fill the room, but not as strong as the leaves that were hanging from the ceiling. Now, you see, right now, she's kind of starting to feel like maybe she does need to pee a little bit more. But, oh, boy, that sweet smell from the other side of the room coming from that cabinet. Remember when they built that cabinet? I sure do. They took it, and then they sanded it down, and then they stained it for three to four weeks. And Timmy wasn't really happy about that. But he got over it because he fell in love with Jane. Him and Jane have six kids now, and all of them are rascals in jail. And, you know, she still has this fine-looking <laughs> cabinet. 
But, oh, she bet she has to go to the bathroom. It's so cold outside. Maybe I should wrap up. You know, I've got the stuff that I can wrap myself up with to stay warm. I sewed this last year. Last year I sewed this thing and it took me three days. During those three days, these things happened. And they were amazing. Let me tell you about each one. Oh, man. Now I'm nice and warm. Better head out in the snow. It's so cold. Uh, you know what? It's not really snowing that much. It's not that bad. But the porta potty thing, it is sure, sure cold. Wait, did I make it in time? I don't know. Maybe I didn't. I better hurry up and go. Uh, luckily, I'm not, I'm old, but I'm not old, so old that I pee myself on the way to the bathroom. But I'm getting there. Ah, next time I'll just get up and go to the bathroom faster. Time to go back inside. Maybe I'll run into someone. Look, it's 20,000 people who are going to say the word mum in the next five minutes. That is one chapter. So uh, what I want to know, David, is how you really feel about this novel. Oh, don't even ask. <laughs> don't even ask. <laughs> the book was so boring. Because, I, because I'm, just not, I, I'm just not getting that. Could you be a little bit clearer because you're um, – <laughs> It's, I feel like it's you're obscuring how you really feel. Nothing happened in the story, and, <laughs> and, and 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 I will say when things happened, it was it was actually really like like the end part was really exciting. But at the same time, he built up all this stuff and he didn't like elaborate on it. The man smelled like meat. I was assuming that she like hurt his balls so much they were rotting off or something, and it just like they didn't elaborate. Why does he why does he smell like rotting? Is he a zombie or? Or what? Like, is her power? Did her powers affect him in some weird way? No, they don't get into it. <laughs> you know, like how long? Was You're right, Jim. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have egged him on. I should not have egged him on. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh huh. I told you. I'm just saying. Like, oh yeah, man, that's my impression of this and, and thoughts of this book. The guy awesome. can write really well. He just doesn't know what to write about. All right. Do you want to hear my my impressions of this book? Yeah. All right. So I threw a quote in here actually from the book and I, and I love this because for me, this is beautiful in some ways. Uh, time dripped through her fingers while nothing useful happened. And I think that echoes in, uh, it probably echoes your sentiments, David, a little bit, but for me, I took that differently. Um, that this slower pace of life was kind of okay. And so this is my experience. Here's my story of the novel. So I picked this up. I'm like, okay, we have to read Ravenwood. We're supposed to do it, you know, here. So I picked it up right before New Year's. Uh, my son and I were traveling up to the mountains, a three-hour drive with some friends of ours, and we're listening to the, I, I threw on Ravenwood. So I'm like, it's Nathan Lowell. Let's listen to it, right? So I am. Dr we're driving, right? And my son is doing something else. He's playing on his computer. He's not really paying attention. But two hours in, he goes, this is the most boring story that I've ever read. And I'm like, I'm like, give it time. Because at the same time, I was like, there's nothing happening. Like, that was my initial gut. Um, but as the, as the story progressed and we listened to it on the way back to it. I'll tell you a story about that. But as I've kept reading into the story, I got into like, I began to care about Tana, um, who she was and, uh, and what was going on. And there were some moments that were, you're a bit uncertain as to 
who these people of the town are when we first encounter her and the town. And then she like leaves the town and these men come after her. And there's a little bit of uncertainty with that. Um, and then she's kind of brought back, but it's about, uh, we're, we're, so we go up to the mountains, we come back about halfway back is when we encounter the first time we encounter Andrew Birchwood and his men, right? They come into the town and, and she kicks her ass. Like, and she goes, and my son's back there. Finally, something's happening here, <laughs> you know? And, but for me, those, those moments were important, but not as important as to the self-discovery that she was having into who she is. Like, this is really, this isn't, this is what I call like a soft fantasy. There's like not drags everywhere. This is this woman that somehow the magic she clearly has a connection to the earth. And one of my quotes kind of shows that. And it's one of the early quotes that Nathan Lowell kind of hints at this connection before it actually happens. She has a connection to the world around her and then obviously begins to see through the eyes of the raven. And that that her processing that and her trying to deal with that and the town trying to deal with that was just as important to me as the as the actual climatic events that happen. So in the end, I uh, I really did enjoy this read. In fact, enjoyed it so much that when it ended, I'm like, well, let me hop on and see if book two and three are available. And they're not, at least not audio, at least yet. So, um, but that was my that was my interpretation of the book. Hmm. So I did not hate this book. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I've liked, I've enjoyed all of Nathan Lowell's stuff. It's been a while since I've read anything of his. I read the, what are the uh, Tales of the Solar Clipper or whatever they're called, but I, I read those. But Yeah. I feel like his, his sci-fi would probably be amazing to read because he's really descriptive. And I feel like if he was describing something interesting, it, it would be a lot more entertaining. But I don't know. Is are all his, do all of his books have female leads? Is that like his thing? No, it is. Okay, no. Okay, no, the Quartermaster no, series, the Solar Male. Yeah, the the Solar Clipper books, um, for the most part, uh, focus on a character named Ishmael Wang, and uh, he's he's a young man who got his mother died and he got kicked off the planet that he was living on. And um, he decided to sign up with a freight company uh, as a cook's mate. And that was the beginning of his career. And over the next several volumes, uh, he grows up. And it's a great series. Yeah, that looks interesting. I just... But I don't think you'd enjoy it, David, because... There's a lot of description in it. No, I like and, description. Uh, it just, I, it, it's that's not <laughs> what I'm complaining about. The, the, the point was the plot that he didn't, he failed to like move the story forward at all. And reading the, reading the synopsis for book two, Zephyr's Call, he's just like, her as her power grows, she must come to grips with the changes within her and wrestle the fear that she is going mad. So it's like, 
he can't get away with that. Like, oh, I really want to write about a woman going through menopause. So, like, he even mentions it here in the. In, in the it's like you don't know. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, this isn't what you should be writing about. Like, it just. Uh, I, I I wish that he would have. I kept waiting for her to leave the village and then it became apparent she wasn't going to leave the village and i was just like oh my god like these the, not till spring well not yeah, not till spring but not this book is is what's going it's not going to happen you know before she decided to stay which i'll say was about six hours into the book uh you know and it was almost five hours before that even the conflict with uh with um the guys who were trying to extort them and i just everyone in the town was like the blandest character and they could have all been interchanged except for Frank. And the fact that they all called her mom drove me insane. Like, I just, I, just, I, uh, uh. Why, why is that? Cause she was kind of like the town's mom. I will totally and a hundred percent blame that on the narration. Now see for me, when I looked at mom, it was kind of a title of respect of an elder an right. elderly person like yeah, so so for me like i i, I that was fine I, that did not bother me at all in fact i think it bothered tanis more than it mattered you know tanis than it better that it, that it bothered me so i i think it was yeah. just the way the narrator said it just okay uh, oh see and i read the book yeah um i i I'm sorry, David, but I can't agree with <laughs> anything you've said. <laughs> and uh, that's that's okay. That's all, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. All right. Well, this was this was a book that I read over Christmas break. It was too cold to hang out outside. It was really nice to just sit in my lazy boy and wrap up in a blanket <laughs> and just get get lost in a story. Right. And that's kind of where I'm from. Now I think David, you're too young to appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, no, no, that's that's a little that's a little harsh. No, I you know if, if there was a no, story, you don't if even there was a story if, to get lost you guys, in. You guys don't even read the freaking books. You listen to freaking audio books. <laughs> but but for me, but for me, that didn't bother me. Like uh, in like I like being read to, and I think this goes back to you know I love being read to as a child. I certainly love reading. Um, Mm-hmm. But but I certainly but I, but as well I really have enjoyed being able to listen to it. I thought the reader did, if you know, um, Veronica did a fantastic job of reading this book, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, she's an author in her own right. I believe she's written some stuff as well. But um, but I really I really have a pre I really I I enjoyed her reading, and for me, getting into the intric- the intricacies of routine. Like I could identify with the importance of routine, of getting up and stoking the fire and you know, making the tea and sitting there and warming yourself, the slow the slow mornings of routine. And perhaps that appealed to me maybe more importantly because we live in such a society that we're very frenetic. Like everything's so busy and we're we're so hustle and bustle. We run from one thing to the other, we don't take time to breathe. And so I felt like part of what I was getting in this novel was I was getting to experience experiences with Tanith 
the, the slower pace of life and her being okay with that or coming to grips with being okay and not being on the move. And so for me, mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't retain anything from audiobooks. I don't know why I do enjoy being read to as I grow up. My mother read to my brothers and I all the time. But as far as retention, if I tried to do an audiobook, uh, I'd come on here and just, uh, I wouldn't be able to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yep. Well, c'est la vie. So it is. Why don't we move into uh, characters and places, Jim? You want to lead us in that? Sure. Okay. We have Tanith, and I think we've talked to her, a middle-aged woman who is wandering in the wilderness, um, trying to learn new things. One of the things I like about her character, right? So we don't know much about her. She's clearly, she's female in a world that, as a female wandering alone, she has to be concerned about that. And that's established pretty early on in the book. And... um, but I like how the mystery of her past is sprinkled throughout. Um, the idea that she learned after her husband, which seems to be suggested there was some sort of abusive relationship there, that she learned how to take care of herself. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an allusion to a son that we never meet that there seems to be a falling out with as well. And and the, I love the hints. And there's a sense uh, there's a sense. At that, while at the same time, I feel like the way he describes it, that I know Tanith really well. There's also mm-hmm. a sense where I don't know Tanith, and and that's it's, it's that it's the juxtaposition of those mist of, of that mystery along with it's like knowing someone but realize that I can hang out with Jim and David and talk to you guys and we've known each other for years now in the context context of this show. But in a very real sense, there's a lot of our lives that I don't know about yours, Jim, that David, I don't know about your life because we only see each other in this mm-hmm. context. And I feel that this is what I'm getting with Tanith, that there's more to Tanith than meets the eye, not only in the spiritual sense and the way she's connecting with the world around her and that she might have some sort of magic, this world's magic, but also that there's a history that is important that I don't know, that is hinted at as being... Maybe something will hit in book three, two and book three. Yes, and and I can almost guarantee you it will. Yeah, if you if you take if you take the time to to check them out. Are, are books two and three out? Uh, I know book two is. I'm not sure about book, book three's three. on his website. I don't know if it's like it has a synopsis. Right. Okay. Yeah, he's kind of yeah, he's kind of slow once in a while so you know yeah. came out in uh 2014 the third one. Oh, all right so it should be yeah mm-hmm. so just one of the audio book for it, no so. audio yeah for the third. means you gotta physically read the book uh, <laughs> so old school yeah no, so here's my here, I, I like tennis but um is it me or do, do you feel that her character like started off way stronger than she ended. Not when well, I ended, but like when she first comes on, I was like, man, I really like this character. 
she's an older woman. She's a straight up badass. Like she knows her stuff. And then the more time she stayed in the, in the town, the weaker her character became like the more dependent and the, the less like even just in the description of like, you know, she lived on the side of the road and all this stuff for, for going on 20 years. And all of a sudden she's like, Oh man, it's too cold. My, my bones and too cold. Like, I don't know. Maybe if it's an analogy for like, uh, when you're getting older and you stop for a moment and then everything kind of hits you at once or, or what, but, uh, hmm. if, if that's what he was trying to get at there, but it really did seem like the moment she took a break, all of a sudden her body, like, started shutting down not shutting down but like became more feeble see for me for me when i uh when i saw that is i think out of necessity she's on the road and she has to rely on herself only and you see her struggle to uh allow the town to become part of her family like she really so, uh, it seems to be suggested that since she left 20 years ago and began wandering, even though, she, even though she connected with some people, she never really considered them family. They were like more teacher-mentor relationships. But this town really begins to – she becomes part of their family. And I think this is a – you see her struggle with this. Um, and I guess the question uh, is, does that make her a weaker character or is there strength in – relying on and needing others and i you know i uh, maybe a little bit of both but to me i think that this was a this showed growth in her character not necessarily a weakness in her character or or maybe she was just la- letting her guard down That's yeah, true too. Could be too. yeah she didn't have to put on the tough guy appearance when she came off the road so she could relax and um be pampered or pamper herself because it you know? even seemed to surprise her the change yeah yeah i don't i i don't disagree with that yeah. at all yeah hmm. yeah because when she was out on the road in that in the first part of that book she was yeah tough as nails. yeah i was uh, i was you- ready for like an adventure you know, even when she encounters the uh, um, the Birchwood Company, she's tough as nails. You see that come through again. Yeah. So, uh, now we've got a number of people in the town, okay, the townspeople. We got William and Amber Mapleton and their son Riley, who uh, who's a pretty cool kid. Uh, Thomas and Sadie, Megan and Harry, and Frank and Jake. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. I want, I want there, without looking, Scott, I want you to tell me one different thing between each one of these three couples. Tell, tell me how, how, how they differ, differentiate between each other at all. Amber Mapleton becomes the uh, innkeeper. Is slated. She's uh, she's noted for her hospitality. Okay. Um, Thomas and Sadie. This is a uh, Sadie, the one that was sick at the beginning that she nurses mm-hmm. back in health, right? Um, and then uh, I can't tell. Let's see, Megan and Harry. What can I tell you about them? I think Megan. Megan was was uh, was quite the victim. 
I mean, her yeah. her house was the one that was burned yes. down. Yes, was she the one that was taken advantage of or kidnapped too? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, so there you go. Those are my three different. What about right? the husbands? The husbands? They're completely um, interchangeable. No. Yeah. Uh, well, um, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, what, what, isn't isn't William the one that uh, drives the uh, wagon, or is that Frank? That's Frank. No, William. William is. I would call him the de facto mayor of the town. Notice, notice uh, that when I answered uh, uh, David's question, he went to the husband suddenly. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did answer your question. Um, you did. You did. Yeah. yeah. But Thomas. Thomas is I. I cannot remember, but Harry. Thomas and Harry, they're Thomas is the, lieutenants, th- no, basically. But Tom, Thomas is the bowman. Yeah. yeah. And man, is he yeah. a shot that I would not want to mess with. The only reason I remember that Thomas is, <laughs> is the hunter is because of the end of the book, which he's like, tell Thomas rabbits. Yeah, I know. He brings the rabbits. Yeah, it's great. Oh, yeah, that's and right. The rabbits. So. Yeah, well, he's also the one that so. the very first time is, you know, stands up with uh, Tanith against um dandy andy and crew right right yeah yeah they have their roles and you know they feel is, is, is jakey the one that was killed right yeah so he's the one that's he's the one that's, that dies a watchman the young lad that likes the older lady <laughs> you got a thing for the old what's her name mother whatever yeah. her name was yeah yeah and Frank is the wagon driver. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. And uh, Tannis Lover. Right. Uh, for a while. Yep, for well, a little in bit. In this book, he's Tannis <laughs> Lover. Book. At least for a little bit. <coughs> this is tonight's, tonight's Jim's version of Mr. Rita Head. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now uh, we have our antagonists. Uh, Andrew Birchwood, also known as Dandy Andy, yep. who uh, who is running all over the place, uh, starting these little insurance scams, right? And apparently, he's quite successful with them. And he's got someone in his group called uh, Josh Williston, who goes by Josh the Kosh. Now, I couldn't understand what a Kosh what Kosh meant, so I looked it up. And found out that in Britain, a kosh is a weighted weapon similar to a blackjack. Yeah. Just like Oshkosh Bagosh? Yeah. Mm, no, no, Oshkosh Bagosh is closed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, this crew, this, this idea, that this sort of insurance scam makes sense for this village and this time and this, in this, in this world that we're living in. Um, you know, today they'd be calling us about our car's extended warranty, but... Um, but yeah, but, but, but this idea of hey, you need a pass to protect you because if you don't, bad things could happen, and then when they, you know, then they make bad things happen, so that the towns kind of need them. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I like yeah. yeah. Tanith refers to them. Tanith refers to them as the boyos. The yeah. boyos. <laughs> yep. I like the idea that. That they can't, the the government's like, I mean, it's not, it's not illegal 
like if we shut them down, we have to shut down every insurance company. Right, right. Because they refuse to see the extortion part of it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. They these guys are they're not doing anything wrong in the eyes of the law. Yeah. So I gotta wonder where's where's the law? Yeah. Well, you know, the the you the know. offering a service for some money, you know, to protect is not bad. Where it would where it'd be illegal would be them going in and proving that the town needs insurance. That's you know you know, it's not as Which it's, is exactly what I they know. Did. That's the illegal part, but, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's weird because they talk up they talk up the King's Own a lot in this, yet every time the King's Own are featured or actually like uh you know, they pass by, they don't seem really all that great. Or in the example of like stop the extortionist and they're like, Yeah, I mean he's not doing anything well, like fully illegal. It was more like it was yeah. it was more like for me when I read that was like the King's Own was it they were involved in more important or more pressing matters and that a small little town of about, you know, seven or eight houses wasn't worth them stopping to take note. No, it's not even, it's not even officially a wide spot in the road. Right. right. So it's like, it's just, yeah. So like, why, why, why a, would the King zone? I mean, well, I guess the exact, it's not even, I'm sorry, go ahead. It's not really. Okay, it's not really a legitimate community. It's just a collection of people who don't want to live in town. Yeah, that could that could live in town, mind you. They have the means and the the parentage and the families to do so. But yeah, but the example mm-hmm. that they give for them not for it being okay was the example of when he was pulling this off at the docks in the town, and that's where the kings. That's where mm-hmm. the kings owned were like, well, you know. It doesn't really count because then we have to shut the insurers for the boats down too. So, yeah. Anyway, that's the example I was going with. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. Everybody gets the, gets their piece. We have uh, we have the Raven, which is uh, part of the magic part of this, and uh, the Ravenwood Inn, which they decide to build to make their town more significant. Takes them a while to get that done uh, with Dandy Andy running around. So I'll, uh, I'll just run us through a few, a few points here of the story. We can stop and discuss whenever you'd like. All right. Sounds good. Uh, And it's, it's just kind of, it's not a really great summary, but, here it is. Tana Fairpoint, a woman in her 50s, travels the roads. Her mission is to contact other women who know how to use things from nature to uh, heal or make life easier. She comes upon a small village. All the men of the village are out working. Tanith is greeted by Amber, who gives her water for her journey. Uh, they also have tea and a small meal together. Yeah. Very friendly. Right. We we learn a lot about the world just from her walking in the road and passing people. Um, the way she's viewed as a woman, the way she tries to hide that she's a woman. Um, and so I think that this story, this, this point really does set up the kind of assumptions that men make about women in this world. Yeah. 
And you see that, in so fact, you they, see that constantly throughout the story is the fact that men's assumptions of her because she's a woman and an older woman are the things that they always underestimate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. David, any comments? This part of the story here it reminded me a lot of the Jack Reacher books. And that's kind of, I guess, what I was starting to hope this was going to turn out to be. But uh, it, it could have been like, oh, well, this book could have been anywhere on the journey that, that Tanith takes from town to town, which she's always doing. And you get to experience the fantasy world, or not even fantasy world, the world through her eyes as a traveler. But then she got stuck in the town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's the next thing. Tanith thanks Amber and leaves the village. A short time down the road, Thomas and William catch up with her and ask her to return to the village. Thomas's wife, Sadie, has become ill, and they want Tanith to help her. She returns to the village to find Sadie with an illness called the flux, which I took to be the flu, and gives her tea made with willow bark, aspirin more or less. And uh, she explains that the tea is not a cure, but it will help. Uh, Sadie, it'll help her become be more comfortable while she recovers. Uh, Sadie gets better, and the women of the town thank Tana, or they thank her and ask her to stay and teach them about the things she knows about finding nature's cures. Uh, apparently, the village's mom or mother from before uh, took all her knowledge with her when she passed away. Right. right. So, Tanith agrees to stay for a while. By the way, a little note that he, uh, that Nathan Lowell did do his research that willow bark actually contains a chemical called silicid, which is similar to aspirin. It has pain and fever reducing effects on the body. So, that's mm-hmm. a, a real thing. Yep. Yeah. So, now I just got to find a willow tree somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> No, All so, right. no, other? but I, I think that this, this is uh, kind of the the invitations there, the connections there. I think there's a little bit of concern from her, if I recall correctly, when she comes in that they think somehow maybe she caused it, uh, that maybe she called Sadie's sickness, but they make it clear earlier on that that's not the case. They do, they're not blaming her. Um and that's fact it's one of the things I appreciate about this village. They're they're coming from the city. So they don't have the presumptions or superstitions that town folks would have that would have grown up in the rural area all the time. They seem very much mm. they take a person at face value. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think because they I think they I think because they have tried to take people at face values in their own village. So even though she's a stranger, they kind of take her at face value. So that's a little bit maybe of an anomaly. Like when you look at a rural, a person coming into a rural area, a stranger like this, there would be a sense of distrust. But I think because of the way this village is made up, you know, four years out of town, you don't get quite the same thing. You know, cities are used to running into people you don't know. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. David? Yeah, I don't know if I have anything else really to, to add to that. I agree a lot with what uh, Scott was saying there. So, while the men are off working, a group of bad guys arrive in town and attempt to run an insurance scam onto the community. 
if they pay them, if the community pays the bad guys a portion of what their industries earn, they will leave the town be. If they refuse, the bad guys promise that bad things will happen. Uh, the people decide not to succumb to the demands and are attacked repeatedly, with each attack getting worse than the last. They also think that if they build an inn, it will be less likely to be vulnerable um, less likely to be vulnerable because of the traffic an inn would bring to the town. Yeah, so um, that that's a suggestion actually from Tanith herself saying, well, if you build it in, it will make it appear more legitimate. There'll be more people in there and less of a chance of attack, right? Um, you know, because you're- If you build it- Yeah, they will come, literally, you know, and, and as an innkeeper myself in real life, that this is this is something that, you know, you, you have strangers coming into the property all the time. And uh, so it, it makes a sense of, um, number one, there's a lot of people around all the time that aren't necessarily always there. Um, you know, this kind of glosses over the 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 first encounter, like her first encounter with the men. Um, or I guess when the men maybe come back after they leave and Tanith confronts them with the uh, her 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 pole, her stick that she kind of uh, takes them out with. Uh, this mm -hmm. is where you really see Tanith become. It's hinted at that she's pretty. She's so, someone not to be reckoned with. Um, but it becomes clear that there's something not to be reckoned with here. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. And then, of course, okay. strange dreams happen, like you began to read. I think there's also yeah, there's right? also that hint that, like, yes, she can handle herself, and she's she's you know, uh, mean mother trucker, you know, like we we learned about before. But uh, something about the way she fights here is is beyond her normal capabilities. Um, right, faster than she would normally react, or more on point than she would normally react. And she plays it off, but I think everyone is always like, whoa, you know, after they see it happen, uh, you know, it wasn't quite as simple as she thinks it is in her head. Um, of course, we right. as a reader get to get to to read about how quick her reactions are and stuff. Um, and, and perhaps this is a place, too, where the town really begins to say, there's something more to this woman. Yes, she can heal with natural herb, but there's something more to this woman. And you see that through her prayers for the town, through her protection for the town, um, that she's kind of like the, she's, they call her mom, but she is more than just in a relational way, the mother of that town. She's a, she's a mother hen protecting, protecting her brooded chicks here. And you don't mess with the mother hen. Yeah, you know, Scott. Earlier tonight, Jim and I were talking, and we were just thinking it'd be a shame if anything were to happen to your your inn. You know, if you wanted to make sure that anything <laughs> didn't happen, I mean, Jim and I would be glad to take that. You know, for a fee, of course. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. You wouldn't want a giant sandworm to pop up underneath your place right. there. You know the advertising opportunities that would bring. Bring it on. 
<laughs> well, this sandworm popped up, and especially if you're riding it, playing a lute, um, there would be nothing. There would be nothing more that I would need. I, like advertising, I would cancel all my advertising contracts because it would just pay for itself for the next twenty years. <laughs> it was here the dude sandworm first appeared. <laughs> Hi ho, silver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Moving right along. Tanith begins to have strange dreams, which turn out to be a symbiotic relationship with a raven that lives nearby. Uh, the raven watches the people go about their business. And when things are about to happen, Tanith dreams about what the raven is seeing. Uh, as time goes on, she learns to trust this ability a little and uses it uh, to the community's advantage. Yeah, I mean, this is, for, for me, the development of this ability felt very authentic to me. Um, if, this, mm -hmm. if, this were, if, we, if this were to happen to me and I would have a dream and then suddenly uh, I would see things happening as a result of this or like, I would see a man hiding in the bushes or I would see a, something thrown on the house. I wake up and it would actually happen. That would, um, I would think that maybe I was going a little bit nuts mm -hmm. and, um, and, uh, and she is concerned about how she will be perceived not only for herself, but the, the village and, and her, her wrestling with that felt very real to me. Mm. I, I I I I like yeah. this is one of the areas where I did like the slow burn of her development here with like you know questioning what's going on and all that with the raven. What I think would have been much more uh interesting and uh, crazy is if while well, she was the raven, the raven was her and then they flashed to like the town trying to deal with this giant person acting like a big bird in her <laughs> I think that would have been a hilarious twist. Like if they didn't reveal that till the very, very end, they were like, "Yeah, like you go crazy when you have these visions." Uh, oh, that would have, that would have been hilarious, but um, clearly it didn't go that direction. But you know, Nathan, you like call the, me I, up if you have ideas. Yeah, I do like the like. She has a dream at one point where she wakes up and she thinks she has the beak or she has the claws, and I thought that that was a good intermixing where she's struggling to determine what is where, where does reality lie in all this right but, right and yeah. she doesn't necessarily she's not she she more than anything just rides along with the the raven she doesn't yeah it's, it's not till, it's not till later on where she kind of controls its movement or, yeah. or makes it go places that are out of its territory yeah yeah well, in any case, her ability, we don't find anything out really about how it works or why it works. No. Uh, because Tanith herself doesn't even understand. Right. It's important to know that from the get, like, okay, so once she gets to the town, she, she, they kind of view her as they need someone to pray, right? And so she's not a very religious type, but she prays to the goddess of the north, the west, the east, the south, that whole thing. And when she does yeah. it, there's clearly, a connection, a connection with her to the world around her. So, and you get that, I think, before the first Raven dream. So when she connects to the Raven, yes, it's a surprise. Yes, it's an anomaly, but it doesn't 
entirely not make sense. Like, because she has this connection to the earth around her. And this seems a bit, yeah. a bit uh, more than maybe people would normally, you know? So, well, maybe it's something that, you know, is going to develop and she's going to learn how to actually make this work for her. Yeah. Uh, in a big well, maybe, maybe it like, is. Huh? Maybe in book two, yeah. Jim, huh? Huh? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, you know, so let me yeah. say this. Uh, Nathan Lowell, early on, even before we get to the town, describes Tanith this way. This is, I'm gonna pull. I'm gonna pull my quote. One of my quotes in here. She smiled. It was not a pretty smile. It did not make her weather-worn face light up. The bones of the earth were her teeth. Her breath was the wind, and the fires of the earth were the a light in her eyes, and her blood pumped with the strength of the sea. Like all of that. Early on, he's setting up in the way he's describing ponderously, according to David. Um, <laughs> but he's setting us, he's setting up the fact that she is very connected to the world around her in a way that is unusual. So when he says this, it's not just metaphorical, though, though maybe it is. There's a sense of truth also in these words. Okay. All right. All right. So the attacks from the boyos have escalated and become more brutal. They decide to use a large, the people decide to use a large barn as a fort where the entire community can use as a mutual defense. Uh, the bad guys attack and seemingly defeat, get defeated um, once and for all. But one member of the gang survives and returns to take revenge. The remaining gang members, uh, the remaining gang member kidnaps and intends to kill Tanith, but he wants her to suffer first. Uh, just as he was about to finish the job, the raven arrives and makes such a racket that the kidnapper forgets about Tanith for a minute to try to go kill the bird. So, yep. Uh, Tanith gains, uh, takes opportunity to gain the upper hand and escapes. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Let me tell you, the barn scene was fantastic when that attack came and in the, yeah, in the dark and, you know, the lookouts are gone and they see him coming in and they can't see her because he's in the dark. I love the description of that. Um, and uh, I was so like, I thought, okay, well, she's dead, and she's now going to be the Raven for the rest of the book, and she's not, <laughs> you know. But but when I'm not reading, that's kind of when you know I don't know where the book's going. I didn't look at how long how much was left, so you know. And then you kind of forget about this guy that kind of escaped, and then when she's kidnapped again, it's like out of nowhere, and I'm like, oh God, no, right? Um, so yeah. like, I really the the barn. Probably one of my favorite moments as far as, well, you know, because I'm a very action-oriented man, so that really appeals to me. Um, but I, I did like that. And the fact in the mm -hmm. fact that they used the vision of the blood droplet hitting the uh, the stone base of the fireplace, mm -hmm. and then he used that for the inn, I love that in kind of as a remembrance, as a sign of protect, like her blood's protecting the community now, forever. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that was one of my favorite moments too. But for me, I, I guess my favorite part of the book was the beginning. Just the, like, 
the descriptions of her walking down the street and and or the road and like what it's like to live on the road and I mean nothing really happens here, but not that anything really happens in the book, but nothing really happens exciting, but I just really like the whole idea of the wandering tennis and, and how she was surviving on the road and the things that she had learned and uh, basically the beginning part of the book up until she winds up like stuck at the town. Like I was really enjoying it. Okay. And finally, uh, with the arrival of spring, the end has been completed and Tanith makes ready to leave the community to wander and discover what is happening to her. Boy, there are many ways you can make Frank sad, but this is one of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, he thought they had something going. You know. You got another thing coming. Yeah. Suddenly a sandworm <laughs> sweeps in and sweeps her away yeah. all the while the rider's playing a lute. Screen. She was like, maybe I'll stay here. And then she got kidnapped. Yeah. And then she's like, wait, maybe staying here is not the best idea. <laughs> you like, you're getting kidnapped, yeah. right? <laughs> exactly. The question here's a question that I had. Mm. So she leaves the village. The raven is gonna is the raven gonna keep monitoring his territory or she or she's gonna start raven hopping? There's a question. Oh the most important question <sighs> of all. <laughs> raven hopping. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Then she would So it's got it would, it would truly, it would, it would truly some... be a rave. <laughs> lead us through some favorite plot points, please. <laughs> oh, favorite plot points. Um, you know, we, we, we hit a lot of the key plots. Remember that this, this story, uh, Jim, as you said, is very character driven, very focused in on who these people are, the, what's important to them as a group of people, as a society of not being under their own, the parents' wings and not relying on what people have got done before, but to kind of make their own way in the world. This is a very character-driven story. So I think we hit mm -hmm. a lot of, for me, we hit a lot of the points in the plot uh, already. But um, Jim, David, do you have any points of plot that you want to hit beyond what we just got done talking about? Not really, no. Well, uh, well I'll right. jump in. Yeah. Sure. You know, for me, for me, what makes Nathan Lowell's stories fun to read are the characters. As far as I'm concerned, he is a master of bringing people to life and developing them into people a reader can care about. You know, Tanith is a character I care about. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my, Yeah, my favorite point of plot is her purpose in life to wander and learn new skills from those who know their stuff, you know. Along with that is her willingness to set her own agenda aside to help others in need. Right. She still has it. It's not like so, she's given up that agenda. She's just kind of deferred it at this point. Um, she just sets it aside for a while. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's plenty of time. These people need help. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, yeah. and by the time the, I mean, the inn is kind of a secondary thing. By the time the inn's built, they now have another avenue of protection. They don't need Tanith there anymore. Right. So it almost it right. almost allows her to then leave. Uh, Jim, have you read all three books? Uh, no, I have not. Okay. Have you read the second book? 
No, I haven't. Right. I, uh, I, I, I probably will at some point, but uh, I didn't think we would uh, care to pursue this series. Well, no, and I don't know that we. I don't know that we do pursue it, but I just wanted to know if you personally were going to read the other two. But. I probably will. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'm a Nathan Lowell yeah, fan. Yeah. Well, me too. Me too. It's been a while since no, I've uh, since I've listened to his stories. You know, I, I've never read his books. I've only listened to because when he podcasted them, I don't know if he still does that. But uh, I I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, but I'll tell you what, Scott. If you if you liked this book, I think you'd really enjoy another series he has going uh called the shaman's tales i have read the first book of that i think ah okay so you you gotta read on i mean it's it's really nice and it's cool but it's also tragic okay very good so all right i was worried that this by the end of this book that this book would be tragic because i was really concerned for tanith especially i mean so I'm concerned of her a couple different parts. You know, obviously the barn when she sliced from, you know, navel to <laughs> wherever, you know. Like I was I was worried for her. I cared that that something had happened to her. And then when she's taken by the cave, I'm like, well, there's no guarantee that this character makes it out alive, you know. So I was the 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 pearl that she's in, I'm feeling, I think, because in part because I cared so much about the character. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Well, shall we move into uh, quotes? Yeah, uh, let's move on to, to, to quotes here. I, I, I don't, I don't have any quotes for this one. Uh, yeah, you, I just have okay. one. I just have one. Uh, I shared the one earlier, and actually, the other one I had three, but the one I used in my opening description of it, um, and then uh, one just a moment ago. But uh, I thought this was the, this quote was neat. Um, yeah, Tannis is talking to Sadie as she's talking. She's concerned that her uh, house isn't quite as orderly as Tannis' house is. And she says to Sadie, he says, your home is full of joy, Sadie, and joy isn't neat. And I and I <laughs> thought there's something to be that. You know, a, a house is plated. Ain't that the yeah, truth? <laughs> a house is played in that is lived in where people are enjoying. They are concerned about everything being in its proper place. They're concerned about living and spending time together. So, so I yeah. like that quote. Uh, you have any, Jim? Uh, no, I okay. didn't pull any out of it. All right. Well, let's move on to our closing thoughts and our rating out of five on this one here. Um, Jim, let, let, let's, let's start with you. Uh, closing thoughts and your rating. Okay. All right. So I read this book. Uh, I picked up this book and I started reading it. And, uh, almost, I would have to say by the, by about the end of the first chapter, I'm saying to myself, David is going to hate this. <laughs> David is going to hate this book. And, and I wasn't wrong. Okay. Um, I get, I guess I, every book I seem to pick just doesn't. Click. Nah, I don't be like that. Not, um, not true. true. Not true. but i but i liked it and i got from it what i wanted i got a nice and what i expected uh a nice relaxing read uh something that um i didn't have to think real hard about 
something that was enjoyable with good characters. Yeah. So that was, that was that. Um, I'm going to give it a four because it is definitely not, um, I wouldn't call it a, a, an over the top great book. It's not, it's not bad, but it isn't what I'm absolutely used to from Nathan Lowell, you know, the science fiction thing where you get a little, I don't know. Yeah. It, it just didn't, it just didn't seem to measure up. It was almost like, okay, well, you know, I've done science fiction. I think I'm going to write some fantasy. So, <laughs> so that was to me, that's kind of where I'm coming from. So yeah, good solid four. Okay. Scott. Yeah. Well, yeah, so for me, I gave this a 4.5. I'd have given it a 4, but the fact that it was able to make David rant as long well as he ranted, I had, I had to give it a 4.5 because it was doing a job that we have, we have missed the rant master, and so definitely <laughs> definitely 4.5 there. But let me tell you, it's a 4.5 for another reason. This... Um, I agree with Jim that it's not maybe a perfect book, but I also acknowledge that this is part of a trilogy. In a sense, I'm just getting the first act of the story in that case. Mm -hmm. um, and so I acknowledge that as being part of the reason I'm giving it like a 4 or 4.5. Uh, the other thing that this book did that, you know, I was kind of with my son. We were like two hours in. I'm like, nothing's happening in this book. And... Uh, but what, what happened is I found that once I got about halfway through, suddenly the pacing of the story didn't matter as much to me because I cared deeply about this character in a way I've not cared about characters in a long while, except in a very superficial way. And so his ability to draw me in through the character and capture me in this character and kind of be in her head, in her life, in her thought process um, was absolutely fantastic. And uh, so perhaps is another reason I'm giving it a 4.5, uh, but really the 0.5 does go there only because of it causing David to do what he did. So, but, but definitely a four, but definitely a 4.5 is where I'm going to put it. All right. All right. Well, let me just okay. sum up by saying, Jim, don't don't be saying you don't you don't pick anything that doesn't jive because because I, I don't know I think I think Scott would agree like I, I don't do this to just read books that I like like I, I think I think we all kind of do it <laughs> to expose each other to to things maybe we wouldn't have gone down that path on our own. Um, right. And, oh, I've been exposed. I've been <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've definitely been exposed. I'm going to give this a two. And look, I, I'm I didn't hate the book. Uh, I was bored. There's a difference. It's not like it was King Stanley Tucci, whatever his name was, flood the flood the New York City book, whatever that was called. Oh yeah, you, you like Kim Stanley yeah, Robinson? It, I knew that. That, that <laughs> yeah. was fantastic. Yeah, it wasn't like that trash. But it, you know, it, the writing of this was legitimate. <laughs> wow. we will get we will get kim stanley robinson in the show no, ever no, no 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 i mean that's the week i'm sick <laughs> you <know>? right, right, <laughs> and, right. And i'm not really sick you just didn't tell me about it <laughs> uh, yeah uh, 
no, like the writing in this is really good. I just didn't feel like it went anywhere. And so, and thus I was bored. Um, I am actually really interested to try out maybe uh, the first book of his uh, sci-fi series because, again, it was good writing. It, 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 it's funny that, you know, we read through the uh, Sarah J. Moss books, right? And they were probably, you know, if in comparison, way more exciting. But the writing in those books is not at the same caliber as the writing in this book. I would say that Nathan Lowell's writing is, is vastly superior to hers and just the way that he's able to convey a world and and a character mm-hmm. um yeah take that seriously yeah, boss. Take yeah. That. but the problem is is that in this particular example it didn't go anywhere and you know maybe that because it was his first outing into the fantasy realm or or, or what but i don't know so i'm going to give it a, a two out of five um just out of sheer boredom and that brings right. us to an overall 3.5 rating for the Orbital Sword. So, there you go. next time on the show, we're going to be wrapping up our journey through the Expanse with Expanse Book 9, Leviathan Falls by James S.A. Corey. Fantastic. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, I'm excited to talk mm-hmm. about this. Did you guys uh, catch the season finale or series finale at all? other show i don't i'm not i, I don't watch the series I uh, it. it's it's it is it is different i haven't watched any of the final season yet but i know that it did end well so they they just i mean so my understanding from what I, the little i do know is they end up with the marco and it really ends with the marcos and Nero's, uh storyline and them like going through the gate and that's it so we don't mm-hmm. really get everything that's happening with uh duarte and and that through the ring grates, like none of that happens because we are ending with the Marcos and they, it's only because they leave it kind of, my understanding is they leave it kind of open, but there's no uh, plans to continue. Yeah, there the was series. a potential uh, talk of a spinoff, which could be the time jump or, um, you know, but yeah, plus they lost um, one of the characters because of the actor. But uh, anyway, overall I've enjoyed the, the TV series and I, uh, I think the book is yeah. our way better, and I'm excited to talk about that next time. So if you want to be a part of the show, excuse me, if you want to be a part of the show and tell us what you thought of Leviathan Falls, or if somehow you stayed awake for all of Riverwood, Ravenwood, uh, you know, <laughs> go ahead and tell us about that too. You can email us at theorbitalsword at gmail.com. You can also call our voicemail at one two six zero five seven seven chat That's one two six zero five seven seven two four two eight. Of course, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash the orbital sword, and Twitter at orbital sword. Uh, of course, you know, uh, we do have another podcast called the Dune Saga Podcast. So if you want to head over and check that out, it's on all the major podcasting platforms and, and hear about Dune and such. Uh, probably some new stuff coming up there within the upcoming months, maybe. So. Uh, yeah, check that out. And a big thanks to everyone out on our Patreon. So, absolutely. Anything else I'm missing, guys? Yeah. I think that's about cool. it. Uh, I thought. No. I thought. I thought. That, I thought next we're going to be doing like River World. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you never well, know. once again for All the right. Orbital Sword, I'm David Moulton, and I'm Scott Herzog, and I'm Jim Arrowwood. And join us next time. On board the orbital soar. If I go to the sky, 